Welcome to Ridge Ridge Outdoors Podcast. Based out of Southern California, we talk everything from hunting, camping, tips and tactics to help our fellow hunters find success. This podcast is brought to you by Victory Archery, the Carbon Arrow Experts. All righty, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode with us. Today, we got a special guest, guys. It's uh, one of the alumni from uh, schoutdoors.com. He goes by the tag name Taff Hunter. His actual real name is Garrett. Garrett, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, Brandon? Doing all right, man. We're excited to have you on here. Um, super pumped. I know I know you hunt Central California. It's a little bit further away than I normally go, but uh, it's always exciting to have new people on this show. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, my name's Garrett Melton. I'm 23 years old. I grew up hunting here in what a lot of people call Central California. Um, if you're from down in San Diego, they call it Northern California. <laughs> if you're from up north, they call it they call it Southern California. So um, usually I do address it Central Cal. Um, been hunting here my whole life, and I've had some good success. And yeah, I mean that's that's about it. Yeah, Just man. Recently got into uh out of state hunting so that's awesome dude i i've actually been a big fan of yours on the uh on sch outdoors um <laughs> I, I i really have that's exactly i mean for the listeners that are paying attention this is how i met garrett was through sch outdoors that forum is a yep. is an avenue for everybody to get together network and and it helps young hunters out like i haven't been hunting my whole life right so yeah for me my family's back in michigan so at the end of the day, I, I'm pretty much self-taught and then making friends in the industry and just hunting with them and whatnot. Right. So, uh, it, it's hard to go and like relate to a dude hunting his whole life to a guy that taught himself, but it, it's awesome that that was there. Um, yeah, man, b- basically l- let's get into this, man. You, I actually called you last week and we were speaking. You said, Hey dude, you know, I'm going to go scouting this weekend. So how'd that go? A little preseason scouting. So I had actually hunted a new area last year and I kind of wanted to figure out where these deer were going um, early spring and try to start patterning them before they got into their summer routine. And I had been eyeing an area that I figured that they probably wintered in. And I went up there and to be honest, I actually didn't see a single deer. And it's crazy because last year during season, during scouting, I'd seen I don't know, probably 60 to 70 plus deer in a five mile square radius. And, uh, they just were not where I think they would be. So, I mean, it sounds bad not seeing deer. Um, in my eyes, it was actually a win because I know that the deer are there. Um, I just have to figure out where they go during this time of year. Well, so. Yeah, man, that's all part of preseason scouting. You know, these deer, you know, it's really weird for us down here in Southern California. Um, These deer definitely move around, but I feel like uh, they move more so as you get away from Southern California. Like you're saying, their winter and summer ranges where you're at. I'd imagine, I've never been to Taft, right? So I would think Taft is at the bottom of the mountains, right? Right. So So this area that that I was actually scouting was uh, three hours away. It wasn't directly out of Taft. Okay. Um, it was actually, it was more of truly in Southern California or in, uh, in Central California. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and those deer up there, they definitely have a migration. Right. But yeah, I, 
like the local deer that I hunt here in D13, they don't have a migration either. I mean, similar to us. They, then, yeah. Yeah, they live year round the same area. Um, right. Which actually makes it easier on me if I'm trying to hunt the same buck. Like we've hunted the same buck um, for the last three years. I had first seen them. Oh, uh, what was that? 2016. I missed them a big four point and we've been hunting them. And, and it's nice because I know he's going to be in that same area and he doesn't have a huge potential to get killed as far as like whether it be from a mountain lion or from a poacher or whatever because he stays in that same little area right in that same the square mile whereas the area that i've been learning to hunt just last year i mean these deer might travel 20 miles from where they summer range at so oh, yeah i mean it's crazy it does make it a little harder yeah, in, in that, yep. that deer that you're chasing locally where you're at or, or out of the, whatever unit that was at you were talking about, he probably uh-huh. has more of a chance of dying from a mountain lion than anything else and getting hit by a car or, you know, oh, a, yeah. a poacher or a hunter during season. You know what I mean? So, or at, disease. Yeah. Or yeah. disease. That's down here. But yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy. So the area that he's living in, I haven't seen um, a whole lot of mountain lion signs. The, the only sign I've seen – of a mountain lion and, and for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe it's just the territory issues or what, but where he's living at, I mean, I haven't seen anything from mountain lion. So, um, he's living the good life down there for sure. Yeah. Without a doubt, man. Oh, that, that's <laughs> super cool. I mean, just cause you don't see sign and whatnot doesn't mean they're not there. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure that, I mean, they'll move in. I've hunted areas where we've been hunting them for four years, never seen a mountain lion track. And then the next year there's three different lions living in there, killing deer, um, blowing them out, um, catching them on trail cam. And it's just, you do, you never know when a mountain lion's going to move in or if they're already in there. It is crazy. Me and my buddy, a few years ago, we actually found an area we were out scouting and we found it walked into an area that was just awesome. Right. So we set up some trail cameras and it was great because we went in in June so for three months, we were getting deer picks like every other day, and we're going, man, this is going to be great, right? Set some tree stands up, right. and it was like a week before the season, a cat came in, and these deer just disappeared, man. And yep. it was like oh, night yeah. work, dude. It was crazy. Someone flipped a switch, and the deer were gone. Oh, it's insane. It, um, is, it is we, crazy. We hunted a unit up north. We had been hunting for about three years, and there's this area where we go in and see 20, 25 bucks in a day. Um, no problem in one canyon and then one year melt that uh, as actually there's a pride of four mountain lions that moved in and literally wiped out almost every single deer in oh, that wow. whole canyon yeah there was dead deer every literally everywhere that we would walk there was dead deer right. um whether it be bones or half-eaten carcasses but uh yeah we actually went from seeing like i said 20 25 bucks to seeing one buck if we're lucky yeah, that's insane, man. They came in and just did some damage. You know, that, oh, they hammered them. That, that's crazy. So we were kind of talking about scouting. Um, tell me this, man. I got a question for you. When, you. when you think about scouting an area, right, does that start at the season prior? You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, okay, well, I see I saw deer there last year. So will you go back to those general areas where you find deer, right, and then start looking for deer during preseason scouting? Yeah, so I think of – um, as far as scouting, whether it be an area that you've hunted earlier on or maybe the previous year, like when I go scouting um, into an area that I know has deer, I'm basically scouting that area just to see what kind of potential 
those deer have been like say i hunted an area last year where i'd seen um six forked horns and they're all young bucks so i'm gonna go scouting in there this year and see if those bucks are something that i want to shoot right um and basically that, that's kind of how i plan my scouting now scouting a new area is a little different for me um I'll go into a new area that it might've been from last season. It might've been from four seasons ago. I might've went and looked in an area or heard about an area, whether it be from a friend or Google earth. Right. And, uh, just kind of had on the back burner and I'll be like, okay, you know, this year, this is the year that I want to go see what this is about. And I'll go in and, and try to find tracks. And that's, that's the first thing I look for is the sign. Right. Of course. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, as season progresses or as the year progresses, um, just check in and see what I could find in that area. Right. Now, now when you're hunting, so like, for example, you said you went, you know, basically three hours north of you, right? So if you're hunting down by your, your place where the deer don't necessarily migrate so much, you uh-huh. know, if you start pre preseason scouting, say in the hotter months, I mean, I know it gets hot up where you're at. So are, when you start to scout a new area, so th- this podcast I'm hoping is going to help out a lot of, a lot of, newer hunters right so i'm hoping they're gonna right. listen to this and pull out some tib tabs and be able to go to go to the bank with those right so let, let's do a little talking on this if you were going to scout an area close to your house and it's you know late spring summer early summer it gets hot still 100 degrees right now do you scout yep. when you scout those types of uh climates do you scout a in the morning night or do you rely on just a lot of trail camera action you see what i'm saying like what, what's your tips and tactics? Yeah. Like, what you, what's your advice? So my advice for scouting an area that you suspect to have deer, um, I, I'm not big on trail cameras. I don't have a lot of trail cameras. I only have two trail cameras that I just put on, um, small springs. And that's, I typically only use those whenever I'm first looking into an area right. that I, I'm not really sure about. Um, as far as scouting, I, I tend to scout like I hunt. So I'll start off the first time that I go out there, I'm going to look for signs. I'm going to see, okay, there's tracks in here. Um, now I'm going to look for a place that I could glass from. Once I find a place I could glass from, I'm going to m- see if that's the best advantage. So if I could see, you know, a, a big area, then I'll be okay with that. And, from that point, I'll just start looking for ways to access places I'm going to shoot from. So say I see deer tracks in an area across the canyon, I'm going to look for routes that I can take to do that. And that, from that, basically at that time, it's, you know, the middle of the day. I started early in the morning. Now it's the middle of the day. I'm going to start not necessarily looking for deer, but thinking about what's going to happen when I do find a deer, which that all factors into scouting, right? right. I mean, trying to find a deer is fairly simple trying to find a deer that you could kill and how to kill them is a little bit harder so the first day i'm basically trying to figure all that out the second day i'm going to go scout an area i'm going to go in there exactly like how i'm going to do a hunt i'm imagining that i have a rifle in hand i have a tag in hand now i'm going to go and see what would happen if that was that was all true that I, it could go into play at that instant right so i'll get there you know before sunlight get set up get my i usually get there get my tripod set up 
um, get prepared, and then as soon as the sun starts coming up, start glassing and uh, just looking for deer, looking for deer, finding their patterns. When I find some deer, I watch them. Um, I watch them until they bed, see where they're bedding at, and hopefully in the event that I find a really good buck, a buck that I really want to shoot, then I'm going to keep tabs on him. Right. Um, I'm going to see exactly what he does and and try to find his route. And I know a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say that deer in Central and Southern California don't quite have um, a, like a routine. A, a pattern. But Yeah, a pattern, exactly. They do. But I've seen it. They I've do. seen it too. Um, I can, I can and, almost do it to the minute. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. It's nuts. It's like, almost like we're hunting whitetail or something. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's what I look for when I'm scouting and, you know, I can't just go out scouting for one, two trips and justify that. Like when I start scouting an area, I'll put in 15, 20, 30 days in before season. That's a um, lot, dude. That's yeah. That, that's a that is a lot. Uh, yeah, I try to invest a lot of time into it because um, I'm a firm believer that scouting is the biggest part shoe hunting. It it is. Um, it is without a doubt. And I mean, there is a lot of chance and probability, like with hunting. You know, the more times you go out hunting during season, your chances are obviously going to be higher. But I feel like the more that you put in prior season gives you a higher chance of killing a buck that is of better quality. Yeah. Um, not to say that you can't go out there on in a new area during hunting season and kill a big buck. I killed my biggest buck ever in an area that I didn't know, that I've never scouted, that I never hunted before, that no one's even told me about. I found on Google Earth, I hiked in there, and I killed uh, a, night, a big three-point. And yeah. But scouting is important, extremely important. I would argue, especially that uh, anyone getting into hunting, but just because you're scouting for deer, even if you get out and you scout for deer and you don't see any deer, you're still learning as you go, right? You still see multiple yep. tracks of deer if there are deer in the area. You still kind of, if you put yourself in their shoot, like in their hooves, right? And you kind of just take it all in. You kind of see exactly what they're doing, right? And that doesn't just happen overnight, obviously, but the more time you spend in the field, the more and more knowledge you gain. And when you do actually do find that herd or those deer that are in the area, you, you kind of have an idea because you've been through their travel pass, right? Like if, if you're walking a trail and it's a soft powdered trail and you're seeing sign everywhere, man, you should probably really focus into that, right? Yep. And, and so there's... Yeah, there, I mean, as long as the sign is all there, it's yeah. just a matter of time before yeah. you actually see the animal right, themselves. Then it, so, it's a timing thing. And so you just, obviously, you got to adjust your time you're in there either earlier or later, obviously, until you get to see them. Yep, so, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. It, then once yeah, you see them, then you know what's there, and then you're just like, all right, see, this is cool. I'll tell you this much, Garrett. Me, me and John, the area that we – me and John have been hunting together for, I don't know, three or four years now, right? Me and John have only been friends for a handful of years. And, uh, okay. you know, prior to meeting John, I would go out all the time and do exactly what you're doing, right? And then and then John really got me into bow hunting, which is – it's it's amazing. It's awesome, right? So right. I kind of just kind of – started hunting the way John hunts and it's, it's completely opposite. Like we go out and we get into it, right? You don't push deer around, but we go and, and you go literally let's sit with the deer, 
right? You go yep. sit yeah, in exactly. an area and you go, watch. You got to become one with them. Yeah, it's yep. it, and we don't get <laughs> we don't get high in glass because we're bow hunters and we don't. Well, hunt there's the a lot of trees too. But it, yeah, and that yeah. too. You know, a lot so of canopy. So you get up, you get in under the canopy in the areas that we hunt, and we just kind of sit right. and watch and just pay attention and try to become as quiet as you can and just listen. It it it's an amazing experience if you actually take it in for what it is, right? Yep. Right. You right. get in there and start actually realizing all the different deer in there and then you can start like naming them if you want to. That way you know who what's yeah. what and yeah. stuff and Yeah. But I, I could tell you this but, much. John John's uh deer he shot last year, um we'd never seen that deer before. No, I've never seen that deer in there so at all. That that just Ever. goes to show like you can scout all you want. Doesn't mean you're gonna see every deer in that area, right? Yep, that's exactly right. You can that's, be surprised. Uh, that's hundred percent. I mean, we've scouted. We've me and a friend of mine. We invested oh probably about fifteen days into this one area, and uh, we had thought that we had seen every animal that lived in there, and we had seen a mountain lions and coyotes, a bunch of deer, probably about forty deer, and we're like, you know, forty deer in this little tiny area that has we had to have seen everything that lived there. And then uh, one day, out of nowhere, this big old three-point pops out, and we're like, where did he come from, you know? Right. You know, we had a, I mean, we had a trail camp on the only spring in a three-mile radius. The only spring in there, the only water source. This buck just popped out of nowhere, never had him on trail camp. Right. I mean, I, Crazy. There, you know, biologists will say it and whatnot, you know, deer, deer or cervids, they'll get a lot of their water via vegetation, too. You know, so oh, yeah, they, sure. you know, really hot days are hitting, they're hitting springs if they're in the area, but if not, man, they're just chewing cut all day. Yeah. They don't have yeah, to drink cool. water every day. Right, they're not like so, us, you know, they don't have yeah, to have I, it every day. But, I read a study on there that like a mature, um, a mature mule deer buck could go like averages like three days without water. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't remember where I saw the study from, whether it was from the Utah department of fish and wildlife or what, but. Um, the study was like 40 pages long right? and it was all on mule deer. And that was one thing that they said was a pressured mature mule deer to go three days without watering. Right. Well, dude, check, which check is the, a long time. Check, that is. That's, yeah, man. That, that's, you, you sit on that water hole a long time and nobody comes. And, I know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys that, that hunt water holes. Right. And then, they, yeah. Man, yeah, well, exactly. you're just trying to go for the luck of the draw. Maybe it's the day that this guy's going to drink. Right. Exactly. So. Yep. Sitting in a stand above it. Well, dude, that's super yeah, cool, man. And hopefully and hopefully they water during daylight. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. It, it, you know, one of my buddies says, you know, cause the most of us get in there before the sun comes up, it's still dark, pitch black. Right. One of, one of my right. buddies that, uh, I hunt with, he, he says it all the time. You got to get in there before dark or before the sun rises, obviously. Right. And he goes, I've had so many deer come in at dark and you can't see nothing except a shadow. Right. Oh yeah. It's like way before gray light, but you know how there's that, there's that, gray light before gray light you know what i'm talking Definitely. about so you can see the shadow and he goes i've had deer come in on on a spring right in front of me and oh yeah you know you have it under gray light so it's crazy you know they're, they're smart <laughs> smart critters yeah oh definitely or the mountain lion that walks up to you oh yeah mountain lions are another story down here man we, we got them everywhere down here man oh yeah i have i i don't know if you remember uh i made a post on sph last year about a mountain lion experience um Actually, up in X9A, and I mean it's pretty wild. But I don't, I don't know remember. If you it. want to get into that? Yeah, if you want to tell it, okay. man, go for it. I, I I don't remember it. Yeah, yeah, I'll get into it. Um, yeah, so we had hunted X9A in uh, 2018, 
me, my brother-in-law, and a buddy of mine. And uh, we had scouted an area. And my, so my brother-in-law, he's never killed a buck. This is going to be his first buck. And I wanted him to kill a good one. So we had scouted an area. We had found about a 26-inch wide 3 by 3 which is a great buck, especially for a first buck. Yeah. And uh, he was actually teaching a class um, the day before opener. And I wanted to get in there day before opener. I wanted to get this buck on the ground. So he wouldn't be able to get there till around 10 p.m. at night. Right. And it's a four-mile hike into the spot. We were going to camp in there for three nights. Right. So in uh, quite an elevation gain. So we got it, or I, the plan was I was going to hike in there by myself, set up camp, um, get a spot cleared out for his tent, and just try to find that buck and bat him down. Um, we'd actually found him three different times in that same spot. Right. So we were pretty sure that he was going to be in that area. Um, so I got in there, set up camp, glass, couldn't find him, super windy. So I went back down to my tent. The sun was going down. I decided I was going to make a mountain house. So I boiled some water, poured yeah. it in the mountain house. Mountain house. And, yeah, those are the, honestly, those are the best. But, what's your, um, what, real quick, what's your favorite breakfast? The favorite breakfast? Yeah. Oh, the, oh, the oatmeal. Oh, okay. Uh, not, not as far as the for the taste or anything, but the easiness of it. Like, okay. I love the oatmeal because you could eat them cold or hot i like it too i'm not gonna lie. it is good it's just i throw hot water in it but my favorite's biscuits and gravy but sorry the for biscuits the, and gravy yeah oh like yeah those, those good stuff for the taste one. hands down biscuits and gravy but like the time i'm like because sometimes in the morning i'm like ah i'll throw some cold water in my oatmeal and call her good right right on all right so back to your story sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh so i made the mountain house and i was like you know while i'm waiting for the mountain house to saturate i'll go down and pump some water from the creek right so uh, i went down and i brought both my bottles 48 ounce bottles and i started pumping water i got done with the first bottle and i was like you know what i'll go stir my mountain house real quick um just to get full saturation and the creek was down from a bank it was like a three foot bank maybe four foot and as i turned around to climb up the bank i was pulling myself up and Probably about three feet away was a mountain lion crouched down. Oh my god! Um, yeah, face to face, looking me in the eyes, like, "Oh shoot!" Yeah. Um. At that point, my life kind of flashed for me. I was like, "Well, I'm done." Yeah. But dude. Uh, I got back. I slid back down the bank, threw my hands up, yelled at it. It kind of half-ass took off. Um. I was in some real thick scrub oak. Right. So, like, my vision was only you know twenty feet or so. So I ran over to my tent, grabbed my gun, uh, grabbed my headlight, because by this time the sun was set, and it was just enough light to where you could, like, walk around and not trip over stuff. Yeah. But but it was still enough to where you couldn't see, like, in the distance. Yeah. So I threw up my headlight. He was gone, and I was like, okay. So at that point I was scared, you know. Absolutely. Cause, so I got in the tent 30 my mountain house and i got like this eerie feeling that something was watching me <laughs> so i just uh i kind of like i can't remember exactly what i said i kind of like yelled like hey lion or something like that and he was actually right outside my tent like Ooh. a couple feet from my tent really? and uh, i heard him yeah he like made like a screeching noise and then like scampered off like i could literally hear him 
like running through the leaves outside the tent. Right. Wow. Yeah. So you, at that point, what, go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. Finish it out. So at that point, I was like, this really sucks because I'm by myself. There was absolutely no self-service. There wasn't even self-service where I parked my truck, where the trailhead where we hiked in. Right. Zero self-service. I had no satellite phone at the time. So I'm like, dude, this is terrible. Um, all I could do was wait for my brother-in-law to get there. and But there was, at that point, there was no contact. So I couldn't warn him, hey, like this thing might be, you know, hung along the trail or whatever. Right. Um, so finally, my brother-in-law shows up. He was two hours late, so I'd stayed up till midnight, and I'm telling him about this, and he had brought um, a co-worker with him that was, he was new to getting into hunting. He wanted to kind of see how it all went down and stuff like that, and uh, I could tell when I told him this, they were like, no, nah, this guy's bullshitting me, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm for real, so I found the mountain lion's tracks, and the tracks actually ran right through the middle of my brother-in-law's tent the the pad that i had set up for him that i cleared out yeah the tracks went right through to the middle of where he's gonna put his tent that's insane dude so now he's like oh shit yeah um but we ended up going to sleep woke up the morning in the morning started glassing uh for deer i ended up actually finding what i believe to be that same outline oh wow he was in the area yeah. for sure yeah and uh he was hunting i could tell he was hunting he was stalking so I'm like, he has to be stalking on a deer. He was across the canyon. He's a little over a thousand yards away. And I ended up finding about a 22 inch three point. And I connected the dots. The mountain lion put a stalk on this buck. And he ended up getting blown out. And I knew that the mountain lion screwed. The wind was blown from his back to the deer. Right. So I knew the deer was going to bust him. Um, and I actually got a picture through the spotting scope of the mountain lion crouched down about 20 feet from the deer that is that's crazy yeah. man that, that's, that's cool you yeah. saw it all go down yeah yeah it was pretty crazy i saw i watched the deer bust him uh he scented them the buck took off um and then the mountain lion went up and continued hunting he actually he didn't really phase him he was just like whatever like yeah when i blow a sock i'm like super upset but the mountain lion just walked off like oh whatever oh it's a fact of life for him but you, you, <laughs> you know what would have been a fact of life for me let me tell you something, man. You're a better man than I am because that mountain lion would have got 17 rounds of freedom in the face if I had come face to face with it at three yards. Oh yeah, or, oh, or three I, feet. It, oh, if it would have the at night whenever he put a stock on me, if I had the chance, um, you know, with yeah. him being that close, I mean, dude, I don't, I don't definitely, yeah. That that at that point, if you're three feet away, you come face to face. You, you're not even. That's the apex predator of California. Right, that and bears. Oh, yeah. but, you know, you hear more about horse stories of lions, but the the reality of the situation is everybody has a line, right? Like they all have a line. If that line's yep. crossed, you have to react, right? If you would have had oh, yeah. a way to defend yourself, I'm sure you would have. And I, and I don't blame. Oh, definitely. You. John has come yeah. face to face with him at four feet or four yards. What, what was yeah, it? eye level. Eye level, same thing. Yep. Right. I was sitting against the oak tree. Yep. But see, I thought it was a doe coming yeah, to me. Yeah, but his, <laughs> in the moonlight until I saw. Wait a second, John stood that doe up. don't have a long tail. Yeah, and John stood <laughs> yeah. up and went the other way. I turned yeah. on my light and grabbed my bow, and it's like the cat didn't even run. Yeah, just, they, they yep. just have no just fear. turned and just walked away. And I was yeah. like, Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, pretty crazy, man. How that whole thing goes down. You know, the cat cats are another story. And oh, it was crazy. I, I'm a firm believer that if in California we were allowed to run them with dogs, not even kill them just run them with dogs, they'd have a natural fear of humans. 
you know, that, oh, that yeah, fear humans sure. would be back, you know, but, uh, Oh yeah. I believe they still do. I think that's the only reason why, you know, I didn't get attacked was because they still have that fear just for the simple fact that they don't know what exactly we are. Like I was in, obviously in that mountain line, I was in his bedroom. Yes. Um, I agree. And he just, if he would have thought of me as, as prey, he, he would have killed me, you know, that instant. But I think it was half and half. He thought of me as, as prey, but he was also curious. Yeah. He was like, you know, what, what is this? Like, yeah. this isn't a deer. This isn't a bear. Like, uh, and then whenever I threw my hands up, he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. That might kill me. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't know. I, you know, it's like, what do you do if a, if a dog comes up to you, you always get that, you always get that fight or flight, right? You, a strange yep. big dog comes up to you. You always have that fight or flight, uh, reaction. Yeah, exactly. Right? You come face to face with a cat and that that's like a hundred fold. Right. Yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. So yeah, I'd actually, whenever that situation happened, I did like reach onto my, cause usually when I'm scouting, I carry my Glock on me. Yeah. And I had actually like reached down to grab it and it wasn't there. And that was like, at that point in time, I was like, I'm screwed. Well, but, uh, that was probably the the luckiest moment of that cast alive. Oh yeah, for sure. I would have smoked them. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> That's pretty scary. You know, yeah. it is what it is, but look here, man, you're a, uh, you're certified bear killer too, man. How did, yeah, I've killed, uh, three bears over the years. Um, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's super cool that you shoot bears. I I've actually reached out to you in the past about it, and um, you know, hit you up for tips and tactics. You know, I've never I know I wanted to go a few years ago when I had actually originally hit you up about it, but uh, uh-huh. it never happened. This year, I do recall that. Yeah, remember? So this year, I definitely want to get after it, especially since I'm I'm trying to draw X nine A. You know, the bear population right. up there is pretty good. So I'm, I'm hoping maybe I can oh, get after it. You know, I'm going to take like a ten day period and try to get after it and get it done. Yeah, yeah. So I've actually been asked this quite a bit as far as hunting bear without hounds. Um, and a, a lot of people don't know, but my grandpa um, was a big time hound hunter. He killed a lot of bears with his hounds, worked for the fishing game, um, all that stuff. That's but, awesome. Yeah, it was a learning curve. So, you know, we used to run dogs, and that's how we hunted bears. And all the bears that I've killed have been exactly how I hunt deer. Um, my trick to, to finding bears is really no different than finding deer. And it's really just about being in the right place at the right time. I feel, um, I mean, of course you're going to, if you're truly, if you're solely going out to kill bear, you solely just want to hunt bear. Right. Um, those Northern units, X9A, um, all, all up there, DA. Um, D7, D6, all good bear units. Right. Even A zone. I, I killed two of my bears were out of A zone. Oh, sweet. Um, it's the same thing as, as scouting for deer. You're going to go look for tracks for the sign and then just learn their habits. Um, and one thing that I have found with bear, they do not seem to have a pattern. Like, there's, it's, Almost like they, they're like wild pigs. They just roam. They, they just don't, roam, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's really the biggest advice that I could get for bears. Just just last for them, hunt for them, um, do what you do with deer, and hope that you come across one. And actually, speaking of X-9A bears, 
I did see five or six bears when I sent nine a. Right, that, um, that, and that's pretty much how I'm going to go about it. I'm going to obviously it takes a while to draw uh, X nine a. So if I draw this tag, which I've got my fingers crossed, you know, bear tags over the counter. So I'm going to hunt deer. Right, that's my yep. main priority is to fill that tag. But obviously, if I come across the bear, yeah, I'll definitely pursue it. And you know, if I have time, then uh, you know, time left in the trip, I'll definitely pursue him for the rest of the trip because I I, I really do want to get a bear down. You know, I think it would be uh, super cool. It's been one of my goals for quite some time, and, and for whatever reason, man, I'm just like so intrigued with getting one down. You know? Oh yeah, bear hunting's awesome, and uh, they are they're a cool animal. And a lot of people don't like the meat, and I do. I like the meat. I've maybe because I grew up eating it, but um, like with bear, you obviously can't take a backstrap out and like barbecue it. Right. Um, that probably wouldn't taste the best. But as far as like putting it in different like chili or yeah, uh, roast, you know, in the crock pot, whatever, sausage, like it is good meat. So it is a good game animal. I think a lot of people trash the taste. Yeah, we um, actually, it, uh, I got a, you know, I got a package of summer sausage out of bear and it was amazing, right? It was real, it was real greasy, obviously, but it was yeah, so definitely. good. I cut it up and I put it in my eggs. It was great. So there's definitely a, uh, uh, inner drawing on me to, to try to get a bear down. I think it would be, like I said, I think it would be super cool. And it's one of my, one of my goals, you know, I, I want to definitely get one down. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see how it all pans out and, and go from there. Uh, what, what are your plans this year? So this year I'm just planning to, uh, hunt locally. Okay. Um, I'll probably hunt D13. I don't like to advertise a lot of the zones I hunt. Um, but I'll probably be hunting another general D zone that is actually, it'll be my first year hunting it. I have been up in the area doing some fishing and stuff like that and have seen some deer. This will just be my actually first year really getting down scouting and hunting it. Right. So are you going to do anything? And then, uh, are you going to do anything out of state? Yeah. So we actually have, uh, last year I killed my first elk. Me, my dad, and my brother-in-law is all our first elk. They're just cows. But uh, this year we're going to go back to Colorado and with bull tag, or we put in for bull tag. Right. Second season. And uh, we're going to try to hunt that. And then for Nevada and Utah, I just put hard-to-draw units. I'm yeah. not really expecting to draw them. Right. Um, Wyoming, same thing. Actually, Wyoming, we just did points only. Right. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that's other than that, Colorado elk hunt. See how it goes. I, I I think that's super cool. When you when you killed your cow last year, did you go to Colorado or were you in Utah? That was in Utah. Oh, what I love Utah, man. Utah is my favorite state. Oh, hands down, I love Utah. Yeah. Like Utah is. I've so I've never hunted Colorado. I've only hunted Montana, Nevada, um, Utah, and here in California. But um, out of the states I have hunted, Utah is. For sure, my favorite. Yeah, it's it's super cool. We, yeah, me, you, me and John, we're we're pretty. Utah's big fun. Right? It's a uh, good. It is fun. It can be frustrating for bow hunting elk on yeah. public or doing the the general hunt can be frustrating because the seasons I'm con- don't. I'm convinced Utah hates bow hunters. <laughs> I, I just, well, especially bow hunting in in Utah. So public land over the counter tags in uh, Utah. If you got like a any bull unit. The season ends right. in like I think it ends on 
anywhere from the 15th to the 18th. They know exactly when it ends on that public tag so you do not get into the rut. Right. Right. <laughs> so so it's like those are the seasons on it. It's like, a, damn it. You you get opportunity for sure. I mean there's yeah. obviously there's opportunity there. If you're if you're able to go out with your bow in the field, there's a there's an opportunity, right? So but right. Ju- just to give you a quick little recap, me and John were there last year and we hunted our asses off, dude. I mean for damn near hunt. ten days and we had one opportunity and it was mine and it was a cow that stepped out at seventy, right? And I let one fly. I had my pin, I have a single pin. And it was uh, it was pinned on sixty yards. So we we shoot here at home. We we have block targets that we shoot right, and we'll set these out okay. at random distances, and then we'll shoot them with our pins fixed on X yardage, so we can see the drop. Well, eight inches or nine inches worth of drop on on a deer, you're double lunging it, right? If your pin was on the spine, you're gonna double right. lung it. Well, you do that on an elk, man. You end up smacking it shoulder right in the blade. back of the shoulder. Shoulder top, oh. shoulder blade. So, yeah, so I, I stuck her high in the shoulder, and uh, she, unfortunately, she ended up getting away. I mean, there's a bunch of wood or could or shit is that we learned out of that, but ultimately, right. it was a great experience. Me and my team, we went out, and we hunted our asses off. I still, con- I still consider it a, a success. Yeah, I didn't bring home meat, but the trip in itself was a success, right? We got out. We we. We went to a unit we'd never been to before. We found elk. We were in elk damn near every day. But getting in on them with a bow and they're not talking, it's tough, right? It was, you know, time. Exactly. It was just, it was a tough hunt. So Utah is one of my favorite states and it, it's uh, it's an amazing time. I, I suggest anyone that's listening, if you guys get an opportunity to, to hunt any out of state, right? I think you should do it for sure. Definitely. Yeah, Utah is a great state, um, relatively cheap. Yeah, and and not too far of a drive, honestly. I mean, to where we yeah. hunt in Utah, it's only I think eight hours, um, which you know for us that's not bad. No, it's not. Compared to Colorado, we're gonna be driving sixteen hours. Yeah, yeah. So. That's, I uh I actually want to hunt. My old man wants to hunt this year, and he doesn't hunt that often. But I I want to go and take him out of state, and I really want to take him to a unit in Colorado that I've been doing a bunch of research on. Um. He doesn't want to go bang hills, right? He doesn't want to go hiking up hills and whatnot. So he kind of wants to, to be completely honest with you, he kind of wants to road hunt or get off the road and just kind of walk, you know, through prairie up against the mountain, right? Some some right. low-lying sage and whatnot. So we can do a lot of glassing from the road or whatever. And if we got to get off the road, it's to go make a shot. So uh, there's a unit up there that that I've been eyeing, and, and I might possibly do it. I'm going to talk to him. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to talk to him tonight about it and see exactly what his standpoint is and see if he's willing to do it with me. But... Colorado, I definitely want to hunt it, but yeah, that thing's like eighteen hours away. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not a the long clo- yeah. trip. It's not the closest unit. Where if you're, you know, if you're doing it right in Utah, you're for us, it's ten, eleven hours. Well, that's a big difference if you're talking seven hours, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say. So it's it's just one of those things where. You know, if time is a is a budget, like if you have a time crunch and you're you're on a budget, you know, out of state, you really got to pick the state you hunt. Yeah, exactly, and and I think like a lot of the drive time scares people away. Um, you know, people look at an eight hour drive and they're like, "That's too far to hunt," or and definitely too far to scout. So, like the way that I look at it is, you know, an eight ten hour drive. Um, like I'll get off work on uh, Friday, and I'll you know, drive to Vegas, stay the night in Vegas, get there by nine o'clock, wake up in the morning at four o'clock and 
you know, drive the rest of the four or five hours or whatever. And uh, I'll scout for two days and then drive through the night on Sunday and be back to work Monday. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's doable. It's it, definitely doable. Listen, so. man, when, when I was 23 years old, it was doable. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 32 years old, so obviously I'm still, I'm still game to do stuff like that. But John right here, he's, how old are you now, John? I'm 44 now. Yeah, he's 44. He's old. Right. Hey, no complaints though. My dad's sixteen. He does it with me. So. I know, yeah, dude. John, just... John, John never complains. He, he, if anything, he's the one calling me saying, "Let's go, let's go." Right. So yep. it, it's good if you got the bug, you got the bug, right? Yeah. So if it's, you got the, exactly. It's like we have to go. I know it's going to be there. Yeah, we got to go right to, yeah. now. So it's cool, man. It's good you and your pops have a relationship like that. You're able to go with them and and, and still beat brush with them. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He has, he enjoys it. Last year. Um, he had an X-Zone tag, and we had went up into an area, and I think that it was his last time doing a trip like that. We ended up doing 10, 10 miles round trip and uh, for a forked horn, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to kill bucks from the road right. from now on. It sounds about right for me. So, um, But I'm still going to keep hunting with him, and however, yeah. whichever way he wants to hunt, whether he wants to hike in or cruise around the roads, I'm down for whatever. Yeah, man. I, I just think it's cool that you're able to hunt with your family, right? I, I think that's very important. You know, John, John's able to hunt with his kids. My brother, he sometimes, well, right. Sometimes, but I mean, <laughs> the opportunities there you've hunted with them and whatnot. I, I personally don't have kids, which is my personal choice. I don't, I don't really want them. I, I'd be miserable, but anyways, uh, right. you know, my old man didn't grow up hunting. And our family back east, he was adopted, so they all did. It's really weird how it is. It's kind of like I have like a, a deep desire to to hunt, and I, I don't know. I feel like it's genetic. I don't know if it is or not. But he, anyways, um, he just, you know, being able to hunt with them is, is super special to me, and and I think anyone that's able to hunt with their dad cherish it, right? So it's it's a good experience. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah, man. Well, well, listen, man. We appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um. Everything about it is, is everything you're telling us is super cool, man. And and thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully that's gonna, you know, help help someone out for the future and try to find some deer this year. So thanks. Right on, man. Thank you. Thanks, Garrett. Appreciate it. All right, see you guys.